as I said, the text for this morning's service is from Matthew 2 to verses 1 through 12, which we just read together. After the sermon, we will sing from Psalm 76 to stanzas 1, 4, and 5. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, also you boys and girls, isn't it surprising the way that the birth of the Lord Jesus is announced? The first ones to know about his birth were the shepherds in the field. The angel of the Lord appeared to them and tells them the good news that to them is born on this day in the city of David a Savior who is called Christ the Lord. Shepherds are on the lower rung of society. They are of no account. They were poor people, people of the land, dirty people. It was generally thought in those days that they could not be trusted. And yet, the Lord God announced his birth to them first. But now in this text, we have an even greater surprise, for we see that the Lord makes the birth also known to some magi from the east. These men are foreigners, heathens. You would think that God would go to the high officials of the church, to the priests and to the scribes, or to some other prominent members of the church of that day. But he does not do that. Why? What if the Lord Jesus were to come today? To whom would he announce it? Would he announce it to you or to me? Or would he then also go elsewhere? And if he did, why would he do that? Well, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, the answer is found in the important details of the text. It's not found in external details. For people throughout the ages have embellished the story about the birth of Christ in numerous ways. And they get lost in the details. And in so doing, they miss the true message of Christmas. This morning I want to have us look at the true message of the birth of Christ. And that message is found in God's word as we have it in the important details of this text. I will preach to you about the important details of the announcement of the birth of Christ. And then we will look at three things. First of all, the inquiry. Secondly, the discovery. And then finally, the worship. So the theme is the important details of the announcement of the birth of Christ. The text tells us about the coming of the Magi from the East. As I said, it's a surprise. You would expect that such messengers would come from the nation, that such a message would come to the nation Israel. And that is why Matthew, in the original language, also put in that little interjection, Behold! It is placed in the middle of the sentence of verse 1, just before the word magi. And so the text you really read, Behold, magi from the east came to Jerusalem. Matthew in this way wants to draw our attention to this unusual occurrence. And so who were these magi from the east? Some translations call these men wise men from the east. But that's a poor translation. They're not wise men in the biblical understanding of the word. At most you could say that they were knowledgeable men, learned men from a foreign country. Which country? 
According to some, these magi came from Persia or Media, and they belonged to a priestly class which specialized in dreams and omens. They draw partly on ancient historian Herodotus for their support. Others have a different opinion. They state that these men came from Babylonia and that they are in the tradition of the magicians of the court of the Babylonian king. Daniel himself had also belonged to them. And they say that because of the influence of Daniel, these wise men, these magi of Babylon, were brought into contact with the God of Israel and therefore also with the messianic expectation. And that messianic expectation was kept alive among them through the years and bore fruit when the Lord God announced his birth uh, through the appearance of a bright star. When the time was ripe, the Lord God appeared to them by a star and had them travel to Palestine. Scriptures, however, do not support such claims. It does not tell us who they are and where they exactly came from. All it says that those magi came from the east to Jerusalem because they had seen a star. Period. No other details are given. The Lord God does not, does not deem it necessary for us to know any more than that. He does not want us to get lost in the details. For the details as such are not that important. What is important is that he reveals himself to these Gentiles and makes known to them about the birth of his beloved son in the flesh. Except for a select few, he does not disclose that to his own covenant people. Why? Was it because God's people did not have enough knowledge? Well, not exactly. They knew quite a bit. They knew, for example, where he was to be born, in Bethlehem. Indeed, they knew many of the details and more, for it was the habit of the scribes and the other learned people to argue about and discuss such things at length. In so doing, they got lost in the details and came up with all kinds of learned opinions about the birth of the coming Messiah. And so they knew more about it than even the scriptures themselves reveal. And that is the way it was with their whole religion. They embellished every aspect of it. They added all kinds of details. They added to their laws and to their customs. And they made them binding upon everybody else. They argued and debated all the fine points of the law. And so it was not because of lack of knowledge that the Lord God passed them by. What then was the problem? Well, the problem was that while worrying and arguing about the details, they lost sight of the message. They got bogged down. They no longer knew what the message of the scriptures was. They did not know any longer how to read the scriptures. And for that reason, the Lord God passed them by. He went to the shepherds. He went to the magi from the east. For think about it. If you were to deliberately leave someone off your list of birth announcements, why would you do that? Why would you send a birth announcement to the one and not to the other? Would you send a birth announcement, for example, to someone who you know did not really care about you? Someone who did nothing but twist the truth about you, about what you said and did and did not say? And 
someone who added all kinds of details about your life which has no basis in fact? Would you have any kind of relationship with such a person? No, you wouldn't. Well, that's the way it was with God's people at that time. They were rebellious people. They trusted God's word. They did not have a relationship with the Lord their God. They did not have true faith. But now what about you and me, brother or sister? Is your faith a true faith? Do you know the details, but have you lost the message, the real meaning of the message? Do you also get lost in the details while ignoring the message? Do you also twist God's word to suit your purposes? What is important to you about the Christmas story? Do you understand the message of the birth of Christ? For please consider there is a reason why the Holy Spirit deems it necessary to have this story of the Magi from the East as part of his word. And he gives us as many details as he deems it necessary for us to know. There are just enough details here for us to understand the meaning of the message. For the details do not add to the purpose of the story. If they do not add to them, then they are superfluous. And so we shouldn't be wiser than God and add more details than God gives himself in his word. Man has added many stories to the Christmas story over the years. We are told, for example, in song and in stories that these were three wise men. They even gave them names, Melchior, Balthasar, and Caspar. The one supposedly came from India, the other from Egypt, and the third one from Greece. There is a legend about them according to which these men were subsequently baptized by Thomas. And they say that the bones were discovered by St. Helena, placed in the church Sophia at Constantinople, and later transferred to the great cathedral of Cologne. There are also many other embellishments concerning this and other nativity stories. Again, what do the scriptures say? All it says that these men came from the east. We do not even know how many there were. Oh, sure, the song says that there were three, but the text does not support that either. The only reason why the number three is used is because of the gifts they gave, gold, incense, and myrrh. But that does not mean that there were three magi. There could have been more or less. When these men came to Jerusalem, they asked about the birth of a king. In asking that question, they made quite a stir. Why do you think that was? You would hope that it was because the people were delighted with the possibility of the birth of a child. But as such, that was not the case. No, it was not because the people were excited about the birth. The commotion came about because these magi from the east came into the city of Jerusalem inquiring of the birth of a king. And they were absolutely sure that such a wonderful event had taken place. But no one seemed to know about it. They were even disturbed that they asked the question that they asked. It made the people afraid. And so was King Herod. He especially was troubled. Therefore he was very interested in knowing about the birth of such a child. Herod had spent his life trying to defend his throne at all costs. 
he desperately clung to power. The Herod that is spoken of in this text is none other than Herod the Great himself. And this man was one of the most cruel rulers that ever lived on earth. He had his own immediate relatives murdered, including his own children, because of suspicions that they might overthrow him. He was such a cruel man that even Augustus, the Roman Empire, said about him, I would rather be Herod's dog than his son. And the people knew about his cruelty. And so when the Magi came from the east to inquire about the birth of a royal child, it is understandable that Herod was was disturbed, as it says in verse 3. The word that is used here means that he was shook up. He was thrown into alarm. Why? For no other reason than that through such a royal child, he saw a threat to the throne. And therefore, as the text also says, the people of Jerusalem were troubled with him. They were shook up as well. But not because they were afraid that Herod's position might be threatened. Herod was not very much liked. They loved to get rid of that man. Why then were they alarmed? Well, because they knew what he was capable of. They knew that such a birth, if indeed it did happen, spelled trouble. And as we know from the passage we read, they were right to be disturbed. For he killed all the male children of Bethlehem two years and under. When King Herod receives wind of the fact that the Magi are making their inquiries in Jerusalem, asking about the birth of a newborn king, he quickly summons all the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and he asks them about it. And from them he learns that such a child will be born in Bethlehem. They quote the appropriate Bible passages, Micah 5, verse 2, and 2 Samuel 5, verse 2. Secretly, he, then he calls those magi to him and tells them what he had learned. King Herod is a clever man. He's also a deceitful man. He pretends to be genuinely interested in the birth of such a child. And he tells the magi to go to Bethlehem and diligently seek the child out and to let him know once they have found him. For, so he says, he too wants to worship that child. Of course, nothing is further from the truth. But he is so convincing and sounds so genuine that the magi believe him. He tells them to go to Bethlehem. We come to the second point. As soon as they started to make their way to Bethlehem, the star once again appeared in the sky to point out the way for them. The text does not tell us if anyone else saw this star. Again, the Holy Spirit did not deem it necessary for us to know. We do know that for the Magi, this was a clear sign. To them, there was no doubt about it that this star was sent by God in order to guide them to the newborn king. What kind of star was it that went before them? Again, when it comes to the star, there has been much speculation. Some say that the star must have been the planet Jupiter, which is often associated with the birth of a king. Others say that the star must have been a comet acting erratically. Again, others assert that the star they saw must have been the conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn and the sign of the fish. The text, however, does not tell us. All we know is that it was a star which guided them. And that's all we need to know. Anything else is mere speculation. God is certainly capable of creating a special star just for this purpose. 
The Magi were certain as to the significance of the star. Somehow the Lord God had told them what it all meant. And we know as a certainty that the Magi were very much delighted when they saw that star again. They had seen that same star when they were in the east, and then for a while it was gone. And that is why they had to inquire in Jerusalem. They did not know where to go anymore. And no doubt the Lord God had done this on purpose. He wanted them to stop in Jerusalem. He wanted the people to know through these Gentile men that a king was born and that his prophecy concerning the birth of his son was fulfilled. And now here is that star again. It is clear to them that they are going in the right direction. And yet from their surroundings it would appear that they were on the wrong track. For in the first place, the important people in Jerusalem did not seem to know anything about the birth of such a newborn king. They were troubled even at the mention of the possibility of such a child. There was no joy such as the Magi would expect. There was only confusion. Bethlehem is merely some six kilometers from Jerusalem. And when they arrive there, they come to a poor village. They do not see any palace. No, when they come to the house where Mary and Joseph live, they encounter a nondescript dwelling, not any different from the other houses. Oh, I know, the stories and the songs have it that the Magi came to see the child in a manger. But the text does not support that either. It mentions a house to which they came. By this time, the Lord Jesus will likely have been a toddler already. But there is nothing about him and his parents to suggest that he is a king. Are they at the right address? You would think that such nondescript surroundings would be a disappointment to them. But apparently it wasn't. They knew they were at the right address from the star that this was the child they were looking for. We come to the third point. What do they do? Well, here we come to the heart of the message, brothers and sisters. Here we come to the purpose of it all. All the minor details in the text point to this one thing. The full emphasis must be placed on the one thing, namely that these men, as the text says, came to worship the child. That, as we know from verse 2, is the only purpose for them coming all the way. They came to worship. Nothing else in the text is of any significance if you do not understand that one element. It is all about the worship of that child in Bethlehem. Note well that they kneel before him and they give him gifts, gifts worthy of a king. The Jews were guilty of the one thing. They knew no longer how to worship God. They had become worshippers of men. They were impressed with earthly things and with earthly splendor, with earthly power. They were afraid of King Herod and what he could do to them. They wanted to overthrow him. They dreamed of a king with a mighty army and with great power. And they dreamed of an earthly kingdom. They did not want to worship God, but they wanted to worship man. They wanted to worship themselves. And it is for that reason that God passed them by. He came with his message to the Gentiles. He came to those who were not impressed with outward appearances. He came to the shepherds. He came to the Gentile Magi. And he passed his own people by. 
they no longer knew him and they were not humble. They did not realize the seriousness of their own sins. And they did not realize how badly they needed a Savior. And what about you, congregation? Do you know the Lord Jesus? What is important in your life? Do you enjoy this time of the year? Why? Is it because it is so nice to be around family and friends? Is it because of the food and the drink and the good time? Is it because of all the hype and the bustle? And you children, why do you like Christmas? Is it because of the presents? Is it because you have time off from school? Are those details more important to you than the true message of the birth of Christ? Don't get me wrong, the Lord God wants you to have a good time. That is why he also provides you with material goods. But the question is, what do all those things, what role do all those things play in your life? Are such things foremost in your life? If you are, if they are, then you are on the wrong track. And the Lord God may also pass you by when his son comes for a second time. You may know all the details. You may know all about the birth of Christ and you may be able to argue all the fine points of the proper worship and about the true church. You may be able to tell others where the proper address is. But does that mean that you know how to find Christ? That you know how to help others find him? Think about that, boys and girls brothers and sisters. It's an important question. It is an important question that you must ask yourself. Do you show in your life that you know that you need a Savior? And for what reason? The Lord God wants you to worship His Son. That is what Christmas is all about. It is about nothing else. Don't get bogged down in the details in the lights, and in all the other signs that point to him, because that's all window dressing. They mean nothing without the real thing. And if you concentrate on those kinds of things, then you will lose out on the real message. When all is said and done, the Magi leave. But they do not go back to Jerusalem first to tell Herod what they found. No, the Lord God appeared to them in a dream and told them not to do that. And so we see that the Lord God speaks to them not only through the star, but also through a dream. Were these magi true believers? He would certainly think so, but the text does not say. Also with this detail, the Holy Spirit does not deem it necessary for us to know. He gives us enough to know that we must, what we must know concerning our own responsibility. The Lord God does not want to pass us by. He does not want to pass us by when he comes again for a second time, for the last time. What must you and I know? That we must worship him. We must worship his son. Why? Because he saves us from our sins. That's what it's all about. That's what Christmas is all about. Everything else is only window dressing. Everything points to the Savior. Do the details of your life also point to him? Amen.